0: Hi guys, welcome back to Typically Peachy. I hope that your week is going swimmingly. We're making it through. This is the first week back after a short week, and I hope I'm not alone when I say that this week has felt so long, because it definitely has for me. That always happens, but we're making it through. I'm excited for the weekend up ahead. I already have plans, which I'm so thankful for, because this past weekend, you guys, I kid you not, I was a complete couch potato. Now granted, I like that sometimes, I like being able to just sit on the couch, do nothing, no responsibilities, no obligations. But two full days of that can sometimes seem like a bit much. So that brings us in to what's new with me. Because I was on the couch, I was also right in front of the TV, so obviously I consumed a lot of content. One of the things that I binged was Cheer Season 2. I loved Season 1. I was so ready to see what they were going to bring out with Season 2. Especially because after Season 1 aired, there was so much that came out in the news about the show, about the people on the show, some criminal, terrible things. So I was very interested to see how they were going to address that. And then, of course, the lighter stuff about it, the cheerleading aspect of it all... That part is just impressive and entertaining. I love seeing things that I personally cannot do myself, but I wish that I could do. So seeing people fly up in the air and do a bunch of flips, I love it. I also binged another show that, according to society, I am far, far behind on. Everybody's been talking about this show, so I wanted to get in on it myself, so I did, I started Euphoria, and when I say started, I fully mean I am up to date now, you guys. I am watching with the rest of the world. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the what's good section. You guys will hear my thoughts, but one thing about binging Euphoria and Cheer, quite literally back to back, is that you notice how different it is to be able to binge an entire season like Cheer all up front versus Euphoria, you have to wait week to week. I think I prefer just watching the entire season. I got to do that with season one of Euphoria because again, I'm late to the game. But as soon as I started season two and I realized I was on the last episode that was out, I was like, where's more? I want more content. Give me more content. So that was sad to not be able to wrap that season up with a bow. But I guess there is kind of a fun element knowing that you're kind of watching it at the same time that the world is watching it. More is coming out. I'm just not super patient about my content. I want more of it all the time. But at least good news for me is it's Thursday, which means I only have to wait a couple more days for the next episode to come out. Thank goodness. That's it for what's new. Let's get right into what's hot. First up on what's hot is actually something that my uncle told me about. He said, Emma, make sure that you talk about this on your podcast. Some people might want to know that this opportunity exists. And I completely agree, so I put it in this section this week. What this is... So much anticipation, I know. What is this, Emma? 30 stays in 300 days. This is an incredibly exciting opportunity. Marriott Bonvoy is searching for three TikTok experts with a passion for content creation and travel to become their official TikTok correspondents in 2022. Each traveler will have 10 incredible stays in hotels, like Westin and Moxie hotels, or St. Regis and the Ritz-Carlton over the course of 300 days. They'll share their experiences with other members from the official Marriott Bonvoy TikTok channel and report on the benefits of membership. From earning points with Uber to attending exclusive Marriott Bonvoy moments, you will help us show the world the power of travel. This sounds awesome. Here's what you'll experience. Inspired by Marriott Bonvoy's belief in the transformative power of travel, you will experience a curated once-in-a-lifetime adventure to share through your unique point of view. If selected, you will receive everything you need for this all-around-the-world trip, including a personal travel concierge, flights, local transportation, food and beverage, amenities and experiences, and 10 stays in exceptional destinations. The travel expense is worth over $30,000, plus you will receive a $15,000 stipend. Alright, at this point, if you are a travel lover, if you haven't heard about this, and you're so excited about the potential of this opportunity, here's how you guys apply. Of course, you apply on TikTok, In your submission, Marriott Bonvoy wants to see your distinct perspective on travel and what you'll bring to their TikTok. So first thing you do, you follow at Marriott Bonvoy on TikTok. Step two, create a TikTok to explain why you should be one of the three Marriott Bonvoy TikTok correspondents. And number three, include the hashtags, hashtag 30stays300days, and hashtag contest. You have to apply by March 18th, my sister's birthday, 2022 to be considered. Up to 10 finalists will be contacted by April 1st, 2022. That's it guys. That's what you need to know. If this excites you traveling around the world for 300 days, do this. Definitely try. I think this is really cool. I don't know, guys, should I apply to this? Imagine if I got this. But also, logistically, 300 days. I would definitely have to turn my life upside down, that's for sure. But it is one of those things that if you have literally no strings in your life right now, you're in your 20s, you're not that satisfied with where you are, you don't really have a full plan right now, nothing that is super tying you down, go for it. And if you do try to get this, send me your TikTok submissions because I want to watch them. I want to like them. I personally cannot wait to see who they accept. And I would love to follow these three people's journeys. I think that'd be very entertaining. Also, good on you, Marriott, for doing something like this. I feel like it's going to have a really great payoff and it's giving people a really cool opportunity and riles up that passion for travel. Alright guys, next up for what's hot, some space news. You guys know one of my favorite topics to talk about. This news in particular, very crazy stuff. Let's get into it. According to Variety.com, a new film studio will be built in space by 2024. That headline alone, I'm thinking, what? 2024? I can't even get to space yet, but a film studio is going up there? I guess I gotta start working in film, guys, because if that's the way up, I'm going. Here's what Variety has to say. Space Entertainment Enterprise, S.E.E., the company co-producing Tom Cruise's upcoming space movie, plan to launch a sports arena and production studio in zero gravity. S.E.E. has unveiled plans to build a space station module that contains a sports and entertainment arena, as well as content studios by December 2024. Named SCE-1, the module is intended to host films, television, music, and sports events, as well as artists, producers, and creatives who want to make content in the low-orbit microgravity environment. The facilities will enable development, production, recording, broadcasting, and live streaming content. So if I'm understanding this correctly, I could podcast from space. Didn't I call this a long time ago when I was trying to go to space? I said I could be the first podcast in space. I am still very willing, very able to go. More from Variety. S.E.E. intend to produce its own content and events in the module, as well as making it available to third parties. Axiom Space, who in January 2020 won NASA's approval to build a commercial component of the International Space Station, will undertake the construction of see one The module will dock on Axis' commercial arm named Axiom Station, which will also host other commercial ventures including space tourism. Axiom Station will then separate from the ISS in 2028. S.E.E. is currently planning a fundraising round. Entrepreneurs and producers Elena and Dmitry Lesnevsky said, S.E.E. One is an incredible opportunity for humanity to move into a different realm and start an exciting new chapter in space. It will provide a unique and accessible home for boundless entertainment possibilities and a venue packed with innovative infrastructure, which will unleash a new world of creativity. With worldwide leader Axiom Space building this cutting-edge revolutionary facility, SEE-1 will provide not only the first, but also the supreme quality space structure, enabling the expansion of the $2 trillion global entertainment industry into low Earth orbit. Michael Sufradini, who is the president and CEO of Axiom Space said, Axiom Station, the world's first commercial space station, is designed as the foundational infrastructure enabling a diverse economy in orbit. Adding a dedicated environment venue to Axiom Station's commercial capabilities in the form of SEE-1 will expand the station's utility as a platform for a global user base and highlight the range of opportunities the new space economy offers. The inflatable module design provides for around six meters diameter of unobstructed pressurized volume which can be adapted to a range of activities, including an onboard state-of-the-art media production capability that will capture and convey the experience of weightlessness with breathtaking impact. This is all very, very interesting, and in my opinion, it feels a tiny bit premature. Obviously, there are people that are working on this that know far more than I do about this topic, But there's something about it that just makes me feel like, two years from now, that seems very, very soon to get something like this up and running when we just recently had the first commercialized space missions. This seems like this would be very soon after that, and maybe it's possible, it's obviously very much in the works, but I guess my question would be, is it just gonna be there by 2024, or are people going to be actively using it by 2024? Because those two things are very different, but even the prospect of just having it there in two years seems wild. I feel like there are just a lot of details still left out about this, but I am sure that a lot more is going to be coming out about this if it actually is going to come to fruition in two years. A lot of resources, a lot of money going into this. I do wonder how they plan for these kinds of things. Because obviously to get more people to space, there almost needs to be things like this in place. But when you just think about it, the people that have been up to space, just the normal civilians that have gone up, they've gone up for very short amounts of time. So I guess to have this kind of station, this hub, this creative space, this arena, it seems like such a leap, but if they can do it, they're gonna do it. And of course, we will be here to watch the journey, to see who else gets to go to space, to see what is created in space. Again, I am here. I am ready to go. If you need the first podcast up there, I volunteer. Alright guys, that's it for what's hot. Let's get right into what's good. Like I said, I watched a new show, one that is not new to the world in the least, but definitely new to me and I have to talk about it, it is Euphoria. For anybody that has not yet seen this show, here is your summary. An American adaptation of the Israeli show of the same name, Euphoria, follows the troubled life of 17-year-old Rue, a drug addict fresh from rehab with no plans to stay clean. Circling in Rue's orbit, are Jules, a transgender girl searching for where she belongs, Nate, a jock whose anger issues mask sexual insecurities, Chris, a football star who finds the adjustment from high school to college harder than expected, Cassie, whose sexual history continues to dog her, and Kat, a body-conscious teen exploring her sexuality. As the classmates struggle to make sense of their futures, the series tackles the teenage landscape of substance-enhanced parties and anxiety-ridden day-to-day life with empathy and candor. This show stars Zendaya, Hunter Schafer, Sydney Sweeney, Jacob Elordi, Alexa Demi, Maud Apatow, Barbie Ferreira, so many other actors in the adults too. This is a star-studded cast. Maybe if you didn't even know these names, you definitely know them now, if you're anywhere within the Euphoria world. Like I said, people have talked so much about this show, especially because the new season just came out. This is coming off of Zendaya winning an Emmy for this show. I love her, I loved her before this show. I think she does a phenomenal job on the show. She's a fashion icon, in my opinion. I think her style is consistently on point. She just emulates coolness and class, and she seems very kind. She just gives off that vibe, and it's definitely a good vibe to give off, so she's doing something right. The whole cast, I think, does a phenomenal job. This show very much reminds me of the British show Skins. I'm pretty sure they did an American version of it but specifically the British version of the show, Skins. It was kind of dark like Euphoria. I feel like it dealt with a lot of heavy topics. Euphoria, I will say, is on hyperdrive. When I was first watching it, I was thinking about the fact that a lot of high schoolers are probably watching this show and people even younger than high schoolers. And at first it kind of concerned me Because I was thinking about it, and I was like, they're not really portraying the things that are happening, the negative things that are happening, in such a bad light. There is some glorification to it. And it's the tricky line between portraying it in a way that seems realistic to how a teenager would portray it, versus just showing this kind of cautionary tale, because that ends up then being very obvious, right? Like sometimes when we see something and we know the message that they're trying to tell us, then it's like, okay, we get it. You're just trying to like put out a message. So I think this kind of walks a fine line and there have definitely been moments when watching that I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I hope people aren't thinking that everything that these kids are doing is super cool. Because a lot of it is incredibly risky, scary situations that I quite frankly wouldn't even put myself in as a 25 year old. And to think that high schoolers are doing it, especially because in high school you legit think that you know everything, and you do know everything that you know up to that point, but unfortunately until something terrible happens, you don't really learn by just being told. And I mean it doesn't have to be terrible. But I feel like, truly, that is how you learn more when you're younger, especially if you have kind of a rebellious spirit, which I think a lot of teenagers do. Not all of them. But there is some level of that in your youth when you kind of do just see, where can I test the boundaries? But then as I kept watching and kept watching, that fear kind of subsided a little bit because then I remembered that I grew up watching Jersey Shore, And it's not like they were the best influence on the youth either. They were doing some pretty wild things. Not to the same extent as Euphoria, I will say. But still, you know, there's like TV shows that you watch as a kid. And you don't automatically think, oh, I want to be like them or I want to do what they do. Like, I don't think it's so simple as just you watch this and then you act in the way of what you see. I don't think it's like that at least I hope it's not that for this show in particular, because I know that a lot of people are watching. But I would be very interested to see what the top age range of people is that watch this show. Maybe it's not even high school. Maybe it's college, honestly. Anyways, it's a good show. Definitely incredibly entertaining. Keeps me on the edge of my seat. And now I'm very excited for every single Sunday when I can watch this show. If you want to tune in, be a part of the Euphoria fan club, you can watch it on HBO Max. Next up, and last up on What's Good, your songs. Every Shade of Blue by The Head and the Heart and "Dakari" by Mako Road. Both songs, so good, on Typically Peachy What's Good playlist on Spotify. Alright guys, last up for this episode, Need to Know Basis. Coming off of watching Euphoria, of watching Cheer, I've had a lot to think about. This content for me, it's a weird thing how I kind of make connections between these shows because it leaves me with thoughts that I don't think that if you put these two shows together, you would necessarily think about. But after watching them back to back... This is the thing that kept prevailing in my head. The idea of identifying the places and the things that make you the happiest. The perfect feeling matched by the perfect place. Because in both of these shows, there's such an emphasis on extreme happiness. Right? Like in Euphoria, these kids have very high highs and very low lows. And in cheer, they talk so much about cheer being the place and the space that makes them feel like they're totally away from the world, the happiest they can be, they can forget about anything else going on in their lives. And that really got me thinking about what are those places and spaces for me? What were those times that brought me intense excitement or happiness? And how maybe if I identify them, then I can emulate them. So I wrote down a list, and these are by no means all of them. I'm probably missing some of the biggest ones in my life, honestly. But these are the ones that I could think of right before recording this episode. So I just wrote as many down as I could. So I'm going to read them to you guys. And I encourage you guys to do this. Because this exercise, which I didn't even realize was an exercise, I just started doing it, but then it brought up so many of these really intensely good memories for me that I feel like we don't always take time to remember. And I think maybe there's fear of digging back in really happy, really fond memories because it makes you hyper aware that you're not currently in those moments. But I think there's also an opportunity to fixate on why you were feeling so happy in those moments. What about those moments made them so intensely special for you? And the way to get closer to that answer is to first identify some of them for yourself. So here are some of mine. I'm just gonna read through them. Some of them may not make that much sense. And some of these are feelings. Most of them are places. So kind of a combination. Here we go. My family home. My childhood bedroom when the light comes in through the shades in the morning. The upstairs level in my boyfriend's family home. Finding the perfect jacket. A lead up to a sleepover as a kid. Every single new emotion in my relationship. Putting out my publication in college. Pressing upload for my first podcast episode. Cancun, the resort that my family always stays at, but in particular, the walkway from where we would get dinner every night, and also the little area where the giant chessboard is, the Starbucks I went to in college, and the third stool from the end that I would always sit at, in my car driving along the coast, in high school listening to music with my friends screaming the lyrics to our favorite songs at the top of our lungs. Late night swimming. Sitting outside at a restaurant when it was pouring rain, but we were under an umbrella. Listening to music on the beach with my friends. Being at the park with my siblings. Running through the sprinklers in my backyard in the summer as a kid. Being in my parents' bed as a kid. I remember that felt so safe. Hearing one of my favorite songs live... I legit cried once in this situation. Some of my most quote alive feeling moments have been at concerts. Running to a song that also just completely hits different for a second. Stargazing on a dock with my boyfriend. Waking up on Thanksgiving. Dancing in my room. My sixth birthday. I don't know what it was about my sixth birthday. I don't even really remember it. The only thing that I remember about it was being just so incredibly happy. And I just remember every birthday after that, like I wanted the feeling of how I felt on my sixth birthday on every single birthday after that, which is a fun fact why my favorite number is six. Just had to share that little tidbit about my sixth birthday lying on the floor in the sun by the front door of my family home with my dog luna in portugal which is a place that i've only been to once this little restaurant on a hill that i went to with my sister and her boyfriend right when i got in we ate and had wine and i was just so happy (laughs) jumping in waves in the ocean with my siblings sitting on the ledge looking at the water in manhattan beach in the middle of the dance floor with my best friends, hearing one of my now favorite songs for the very first time. And the last one that I could think of for now, this new apartment in the spare room looking out the window at sunset. That one is kind of crazy because whenever I do that, I think back to like my middle school self and I think about how our view right now looks literally like an image on a Tumblr page that I would follow. It feels so surreal to be looking at something that you kind of just dreamt about when you were younger. And it's not even like I dreamt about living in Chicago or anything like that. But I've always wanted a view like I have right now. And that feeling of achieving something like that, of just having something like that, knowing that you were just viewing it on your computer screen when you were little is a really crazy feeling and I feel it every single time I just sit there and look outside that window. It's kind of crazy reading those back and it was crazy writing them because it made me kind of emotional. Like these are some of the happiest things, again, that I could remember right in the second, but even just writing them down, saying them out loud, It does give you a little feeling of like, oh my gosh, those places, those moments, they really are a euphoric utopia. Perfect feeling matched with the perfect place, the perfect moment in time. And I think so many of these moments that make us the happiest, we only remember when we have picture proof of it. Or at least that's the only time that we really think about them. I want to think about them more. I want to make sure that these euphoric moments keep happening, but also that I'm remembering about how many amazing moments I've already had. And this is something that I think that I'm going to keep trying to do. If I have a moment of remembering of something really amazing that just made me feel so happy, I'm going to try to write it down, because I don't want to forget And more than that, I want to actively remember it. Again, if you guys want to do this with me, it was really cool for me to do. Something so simple, something that you can do just whenever you remember them. Keep a list on your phone. Or if you want to get like a memory notebook, that would be kind of cool too. I don't know, whatever you guys want. But this in and of itself made me feel really happy. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you have a great rest of your week. Congratulations, you've made it through another one. You're so close to the weekend, only a couple days left. I hope that you have some fun plans. And if you don't, just have a nice, relaxing weekend to yourself. Like I told you guys, I had one of those last weekend. And look at all the revelations I had because of it. Look at all the new content that I got to watch because of it there's a lot of upsides to a chill weekend in, I have to say. Say something nice to a stranger, remember your own euphoric utopias, keep living in them, and don't forget to stay peachy, my friends.